0: Otherwise, head to your parents. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 15 as we continue on in our series. It seems like we've been in for a little bit of time. The time for truth is now our journey through the book of Romans. I want to welcome every single one of you here this morning. What an absolute joy and delight as I, was, um, <clears throat> as I was just praying a few moments ago backstage, I, I was struck with this thought as we direct our attention, as we work our way toward the communion table later this morning, and we focus on the cross, I was struck with the words that it, it tells us in Scripture, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross the, the joy think of we know the hardship and the heartache and the agony and the pain but it actually says that there was joy knowing that, that Jesus saw every one of you that he endured the suffering of the cross for you sometimes it's hard to gather on a Sunday morning and sometimes we think that what we're undeserving or unworthy or and yet I want us to be reminded as we focus on the cross the joy that was set before him he was willing because of his great love for you it's with that thought I just want to welcome every single person that is here today It is a wonderful privilege that we have to gather like this to sing praises about Jesus, only Jesus. I am always in need of help. And so before we go any further, before I read this text, we're going to look at verses 19 through 24. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we are humbled At the very presence that is amongst us at this moment. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your willingness to suffer and and die on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, that there's an element of delight when 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 you think of us. We thank you, Lord, for this body of believers that have gathered on this day in your house. We thank you for the fact that we have Enjoyed the beauty of creation around us. We've already enjoyed the sweet sound of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as a reflection of our hearts. And now, Lord, as we have your words, literally your words, opened up before us, I thank you that you are real and powerful, perfect, and present with us. Father, I just plead for help this morning. Guide me every single step of the way. I pray for people, Lord, right now that are listening to this message that you would encourage their heart, that you would also challenge us as a local body of believers to what it is we're called to do and that you would empower us to be faithful as we seek to accomplish your will for your glory. Bless us. We love you. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your unconditional love. We ask this in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And amen. A number of years ago, I had volunteered. Don't do that. Okay? Just don't, like, volunteer. But, But think about what you're volunteering for. Our kids were young and in school, and I I had volunteered to do, um, to be part of a, a fundraising drive for their school. So I had raised my hand when they said, would anyone here like to bike 100 miles in support of the kids' school? And I was like, well, absolutely, sure, just count me in. I have never biked 100 miles in my entire life. I'm not one of those cyclist guys, not really into the like, tight little short thing. And, and just it just was one of those things that I was like, probably need to practice a little bit, but I don't have like one of the fancy bikes. It was, it was like probably like the, the wider tire one, and it wasn't quite a basket and a bell on it, but it was like one step back. And so I knew that to, to ride the hills, we were living up in New England, I was, I was going to have to practice a little bit. And so I went out for a couple bike rides, maybe 15, 20 miles, but really never made it much further than that because I was just tired and hungry and wanted to come home. So, so the day comes for us to to gather together and in support of the kids school and everyone gets on their fancy little bikes and and I'm just like on my little bike and I kind of head out and 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 it was fun and energetic and exciting while we're all in the pack there for a while and all of a sudden I noticed that the the pack was was like quickly up there it was just me and a couple guys in the back and and right around that 20 mile mark because I never really biked further than, why do you ever need to bike further than 20 miles at, at one time? Right around that 20 mile mark, I noticed that, wow, like, my knee's really hurting. Like, wow. And so at one of the stops, Wendy was graciously there to, to cheer me on. And, and she had a couple of ibuprofen for me and, and a smile. And, and that I continued on. And another 10 miles, I'm like, this is, like, I'm only at 30 miles. This is not going well. And I'm just, you know, like on my little bike, and now my knee's hurting. And, and, and up there was another stop, and Wendy was there. Drinking cold water, a little kiss on the cheek. How you doing? A couple more ibuprofen for you. And, and that happened. I, that happened every 10 miles, and it was taking longer and longer. 40 miles, and 50 miles, 60 miles. She's up there waiting for me with a smile and a kiss, a cup of cold water, a cup of ibuprofen. I don't know how many I had that day. I'm sure I was well beyond the legal limit, whatever that is, for a bike. But I just remember it was was every 10 miles that she was there to assist me on my journey. You know, as we think about who we are as a church, like what we do as we gather here, you, you realize that we are to assist one another, particularly those who are called specifically to go well, in mission work, in gospel work, to support them along the journey. We actually get a glimpse of that from this letter today that Paul writes to the church at Rome. And we, we get a glimpse into his own ministry. Of the blessing of the amazing blessing that we can be for other people who are wearing out exhausted on a really difficult journey Um, I'll be reading from verse 19 some of this will sound I'll explain to you why will sound a little bit familiar Verse 19, Romans chapter 15, I'll read down through verse 24. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The words will be in front of you on the screen. The word of the Lord. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard of him will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions... And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company, I've just enjoyed your company for a while. The word of the Lord. You know, at, at Big Woods, I'm pretty outspoken. You'll you oftentimes hear this phrase. You'll hear this phrase. I'll, I'll, I'll say this oftentimes. At Big Woods, we have a high view of God. And the other thing, like, he says that a lot, but what, what exactly does that mean? Let me just explain to you for a moment. Having a high view of God means that everything that we do here and what we teach is, is we, we teach the fact that God is the one. And the only one. True and living God. He is intelligent, he is spiritual, and yet he is personal being. He is the creator, the redeemer, the preserver, protector, the ruler of the entire universe. We preached about the fact that God is infinite in holiness. There is no end to his holiness. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. His perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future Decisions of his free creatures. That's what we preach and teach. We have a high view of God. You oftentimes hear me say this phrase as well. We also have a high view of Scripture. Well, what exactly does that mean? It means this this word that we hold on to. And I read and preach from every single week, week is the perfect treasure of divine instruction. It's perfect. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture and error for its matter. Therefore, all of Scripture is totally true and totally trustworthy. We teach, we preach, we believe, we have a high view of God, a high view of scripture, and you'll quickly notice that what? There's a lot of talk about us gathering together as believers. Therefore, you will hear me say, we have a very high view of the local church. We've been focusing on Romans chapter 15, Christ, his message, our mission. And Lord willing, we have all seen that the the means that that happens, the vehicle by which what the message happens to the rest of the world is through this what's called ecclesia, this assembly, the local church. Greg Allison, professor of theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote a book called Sojourners and Strangers. I just love that title. The doctrine of the church. And he defines us like this. Let me just remind you of who's sitting in the seats here this morning. That the church, the people of God, who have been saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, and have been incorporated into his body through baptism with the Holy Spirit, consists of what we are part of the universal church, which is comprised of all Christians from Pentecost to the second coming that live here on, he- on, on earth as well as those that live in heaven. And it's also comprised of the local church, which is what? We are covenantal. We're gathered as members in a new covenant relationship with God and with one another. That's what we do when we commit to be alongside of one another. We are confessional, which means What? We are united by a personal confession of faith in Christ and a common confession of the Christian faith. We all agree upon one thing. And we are what? This is what I want to pause on this morning. We are missional. You realize that our very identity, we are a group for a reason, is based on the fact that we exist to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. Part of who we are is the fact that we do this every time we gather. It's not just about what happens here. It's about what? Us bursting forth to the rest of the world to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God so when Paul was writing what this letter to the Roman church that's the local church in Rome he's writing from the city of Corinth we know it's about AD 57 what happens is by means of the Holy Spirit it's directly applicable to the universal church that's us today Big Woods Lock Haven 2022 it, it speaks to us, and that's why when words like this are read, we must give it careful, precise attention. So when Paul explains this is how the gospel goes, this is where the gospel goes, we cannot, we cannot for a moment zone out on this. And so that's why he's, he's writing to these believers in Rome, and he says, I just can't wait to see you at some level it's the same idea that there's there's people involved in gospel work all over the world that when they think of this gathered assembly right here what from their very breath should be these words i just can't wait just can't wait to see you as i said if some of these words that paul wrote sound a little familiar it's because they are familiar i just read some of them to you last week you guys are good listeners and so i know you picked up on that but before we get too far into this text we need to go back a little bit to determine this is how it builds towards the truth that we need to hear this morning we read this last week and we read this this week again paul says so that from jerusalem all the way to illyricum i fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of christ there, at some level, we hear that, and there should be a question mark. Like, what exactly? I've fulfilled the ministry. The NIV says, I have fully proclaimed it. The American Standard says, I have fully preached. That's why his hope now, his prayer, is to go into other areas that have not heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ have been preached. Thus, the unreached. And we talked about what, literally in our world today, What, 3.2 billion people still have not heard the name of Jesus? But the question, do you think of it like this? What exactly is Paul saying? I fulfilled the ministry here. Is he saying at some level there's no more work to be done? Everything is completed. Every single person in every single one of these cities is a believer. Every person's been baptized Every person has been discipled. Every person is now fully mature. There's no more work for me. So, is that what Paul is saying? Here's the answer. No. And no. And no. So what's he talking about here? He's talking right here about his strategy. He's he's talking in a sense. He's describing to us. We get to look behind the scenes at his strategy plan in other words his philosophy of missions and of church planning we could call it what it's good gospel work we've been using this word effective we're not just here to exist we're here to be effective to be supportive to the big picture paul's practice had been from the very get-go of establishing churches in key places major areas important locations and then moving on in a sense he's using each church has been planted as a base to work out from and Paul believed by focusing on influential cities he was also going to reach the outlying areas So think about this, regardless of the fact, and we can read through the book of Acts, that he has been chased out of town after town, city after city. He has been beaten and imprisoned. He still has been used by God to establish establish many churches in the entire eastern Mediterranean region. And you can read record of this in Acts 19 and 20 primarily it's kind of easy to see. I think it's enjoyable for us to see. Do we have a visual? We should have a visual of a map of some of Paul's journeys I want you to see. Now, if you just take a look at this, we look at three different journeys. We don't have to spend a lot of time with it, but it's pretty obvious to see the pattern that Paul uses from major city to major city, Ephesus to Corinth to Philippi to Thessalonica to Athens. Journey after journey. And that's the reason, by the time you get to what? Verses 23 and 24, Paul says, By now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, since I have longed for many wet years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go on to Spain. What is happening here is the gospel is going from the east, and he's moving further and further and further. To the west. You can take the map down because they are totally enthralled with that map. But please understand this. Even with the philosophy of missions. The philosophy of church planting. Please understand this is not cold, strategic, analytic, pragmatic approach to ministry. Got to get the gospel out. This is not that, okay? At some level, that's the way we work. Well, we got a job to do. Let's, let's just trample on everyone in order to get the gospel out. That's not what we're talking about here. It's, it's so much more. What we have to realize as we just kind of like draw the lines of every single city and church that has been planted, we have to remember there's people in every single one Of those cities. That means there's families. There's there's grandma and grandpa playing with the little ones on the floor. There's there's whole communities that are unique from other communities that have strengths and resources. There's churches. There's singing that's going on. There's prayer meetings. And what, what Paul's reminding us is that there's souls. At stake. Relationships have been forged. Meals have been enjoyed. Messages have been preached. Prayer meetings. Multiple, many, many prayer meetings. And what priorities have changed in people's lives. What was important to them at one point is no longer important. Why? Because they're beginning to get an understanding for the kingdom of God. That this is no longer. This is not to be their home. Sacrifices have been made. And lives, lives literally have been transformed. This is my personal quiet time this week. I was reading it. And if I could just kind of pause for a moment to give you just a little glimpse. It, it just like there's many cities and there's journeys, but I just want to give you a little bit of a glimpse into Paul's heart on one of his many, many journeys. And it comes from the book of Acts in chapter 20. It's one of my favorite scenes, in all honesty, of the Apostle Paul's ministry. It just, it's just a touching and we can envision our, ourselves there. Where Paul is at a harbor called Miletus. And he's just about to board another ship for yet another journey. And you can very easily just check off the box. This is the gospel going forward. But, but it's, it's more than that. It's a lot more. He sends a messenger. So just think about the time here. He sends a messenger north. 64 miles to one of his home bases that he's worked out of, the church at Ephesus. Takes a couple days, they average about 30 miles a day. Unless he's on a bike with some ibuprofen, he could cruise. He could cruise. Sends a messenger and he says, I want you to go get the elders. group of men that God has chosen to use at one of these key stopoffs at one of these key churches and he says bring them down i want all the elders to come down so so they make the the trek what another 64 miles north south excuse me and and so paul meets here and there's a scene at 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 the at the harbor like the docks and he gathers these men close, and, and he's teaching them. And he says, I want you to be prepared for ministry. And he kind of tells them what to expect. And he, he gives them plans for ministry. And, and he says, watch out for this, heresies to, to beware of. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he tells them, focus on this. He tells them what matters in life. Praise God. Praise God for people that have, what, come alongside of you. To remind you what matters in life. Let me just give to you just a little glimpse. I want to read a little bit from Acts chapter 20. Just, just imagine the Apostle Paul at the docks with some of his closest. And he says, I, I don't account my life for any value nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in a ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul saying, This is why I exist. Down to verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves. He's saying, look out for your own heart. Steward your soul. Pay careful attention Paul is speaking. He says, therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He's just pouring out his heart. Verse 35, in all things I've shown you that by working hard... In this way. This is what we do as a church. We must help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things. He knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping. On the part of all. It says that they embraced Paul. And they kissed him. Being sorrowful. Most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. It was their last goodbyes. Look at this. And they accompanied him to the ship. You see, it's not just cold strategy here. It's lives, it's hearts being woven and and knit together to care. And Paul's revealing this and you understand now why he tells what the pastor of that church, he tells young Timotheus, Pastor Timothy, he says what? Do the work of an evangelist but also what? Shepherd the flock. We know that Paul had been about what? Kind of the breaking the barriers and pioneer evangelism. Getting to places that didn't have a church. But he hadn't been to Rome and He's on his way to Spain, the western portion of the Mediterranean. He, he wants to stop to see them. Now, why, why, why do I describe all of this? Why is this so important for us? Because this text speaks to us. It's teaching us how we are to act, what we're supposed to do as a local church. Remember the very identity of who we are? We're missional. Identity is based on the fact that ministers, we're ministers to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. So listen again to our, our, our mission, what we're to accomplish with what? The personal, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on my journey there by you. Once I've enjoyed your company. We're not, everyone here is not going to jump on a ship and, and is going to be called to go. Not everyone, hopefully some of us. Some of you, particularly younger ones today, young couples. So what this is teaching us is the fact that we're here right now. Like we're not over there. What do we do? How are we to live? Two points very quickly in closing. Number one, we are to be a helpful church. To, to think that as as a church that exists in central pennsylvania we are to be a helpful church paul says i hope to see you and to be helped on my journey by you that's what he's saying to the church of rome that's what i want us to be here we are to be a helpful church that word helpful it's interesting in greek it's propempo it means to assist one to continue a journey to accompany and or assist with provisions for the next leg of the journey. I, I go back, and, and I know, I just think it's, it's just one of those mile mark, I go back again to those hills through the woods with an aching, hurting knee, and, and, and it's just like, and, 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 and you just wait to see the one who's going to help you. I told you that most of the pack, the guys with the little tight shorts on, they're like way up front, okay? And, and I'm in the back, and there was, there was one or two, and, and everyone kind of just drifted off, and it was me and one other guy. And I remember this to this day. We're at mile marker 93. 93. Mile marker 93. We have seven miles left to go. And we're at the base of a really big hill. And and my buddy, who is here, he's been on my sixth the entire time. He says, I'm done. What do you mean you're done? Like we're at mile 93. He said, I'm done. And he quit. He he didn't finish. I'm like, bud, you you dragged my bloody corpse the last seven miles. I am not giving up. And and in my mind, I thought, why is that? I have to tell you something. There there wasn't someone to meet him along the journey. I was was anxious to get there to the next stop. And he didn't have somebody there. And so by the time that he got to mile 93, he's like, I'm done. And I think of people today, I think of people who are like, that's it, sorry, sorry, too much. No, no, it's not too much. That's why we pour into one another's lives every single day. Sunday's not going to cut it from, from Sunday to Sunday. We live life alongside of one another. We're engaged with those who've been called to go overseas. Not just when they pop in here, but but are you praying for our missionaries? Are you holding on to them? Are you supporting them? You realize that some of them may be on bio 93. And in their mind, they're like, that's it. You understand here that it's it's not just a cold, pragmatic approach. It's living life together. And we have the privilege of doing that for those that are going across the entire globe today. We are to be that helpful church. Doesn't that resonate with Allison's book? Sojourners and Strangers, you realize. Do you realize what you're part of? Do you understand? Do 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 you know that you get to have a part? You get to have a tiny little part kingdom work not the little slop you're building right here in your world okay not that stuff it's going to blow away like the fog that burns off this morning you get to have a part of something that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever the kingdom of god you get to you've been privileged by the way that jesus what for the joy that was set before him endured the cross you get to have a little part And we squander it away over our own concerns. And we miss our brothers and sisters along the journey. You understand the eternal significance of your investment. And and I know it's an investment. And it's a sacrifice for many of you. But do you realize the weight when you sacrifice your time for someone else out of your own silly hobbies? And you say, I'm not going to do what I want to do because I'm going to come alongside of someone else who's on mile number 93. You, you, do you realize how much your words matter and how much your gifts matter? Whether it's the opening up of your own home and what the sharing of your food. Sit around our table and you come dine with us. Giving of of your money the, the faithfulness of your prayers we are to accompany and or assist with the provisions for the next leg of the journey that's what we're to do How? By faithfully praying. I think the best thing that we can do, like, okay, what do we do from this moment forward? Let me me just give it to you very clearly. Number one, by faithfully praying. It says in James chapter 5, confess sins to one another and pray for one another. You don't have to be gathered all together to do that. It's powerful on Wednesday night when we gather, but it's what? It's disheartening for many who are praying faithfully, and a dozen people show up. We're to pray for one another. We what? Not only are we to be faithfully praying, but we're to be sacrificially giving. I love the Macedonians described in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says they didn't have very much, but they gave it what? Out of their poverty. God blessed and multiplied and used them so that they are forever recorded in history a little group of churches in the region of Macedonia. What, and by sincerely encouraging, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, encourage one another, I love this, and build one another up. Build one another up. You don't like, hey, how you doing, you okay? And then you don't talk to them for a month. Like, that's not building them up. We are to be a helpful church what would the world look like if there were more helpful churches secondly we're we're also to be an enjoyable church once i have enjoyed your company for a while i love that because i'm a party guy i love to get together and just enjoy company and paul literally says here what that I look forward because it's not just, it's not just about like making sure that we have stuff in our backpack. It's what? It's being refreshed through the company of one another. And you've been there, haven't you? Where, where you're packing your bags and there's a longing, a wishing desire to go. You're making plans. You're counting down the days. I can't wait to get there. And it's even more special when you know someone special is there. greet you to minister to you how how refreshing how encouraging that's the relationship that's described here i've told you that we grew up um, as kids on the mission field and we we did not go we did not grow up we were not sent out to the jungles or the plains of africa but, but moving from suburban Philadelphia to the deep woods and the frozen shores of Nova Scotia, Canada, it might as well have been Africa. Because we were clueless. We had no idea what cold was. We had no idea what woods were. Clueless, but yet at some level, we were thrilled and excited and my sisters and, and brother, we still gather together with mom and dad and we still talk about and we laugh about how God is not concerned about your ability. He's concerned about your availability. And my dad and mom just made themselves available and God blessed and blessed hundreds, hundreds of people will be in heaven as a result of my mother and father's faithfulness in preaching the gospel to people who did not know it. And I will tell you this, we quickly learned as we were, we were sent to a faraway land, we quickly learned that we got a perspective of how the fact that our lifeline, and I do not use that term lightly or flippantly, our lifeline was the local church of Jesus Christ. 915 miles away is a long journey. Chelton Baptist Church that sent us and loved us. And year after year after year, it was a birthday card from Clara Savage with one dollar bill. I loved it. Every one of us got one. It was it was a package at Christmas time from Debbie Myers. Still the excitement. It was a it was a personal visit from Pastor Glenn Blossom, who came up and said, I want to take you guys out to the best place to eat. What's the best place so I can encourage you? It's the faithful support month after month after month, year after year. Of people sacrificially writing a check to say we're praying and we're supporting the work that is happening outside of what takes place right here. That's what? That's an enjoyable church. that we delight it in our times when we connect. Whether it's being sent out from an existing church, planting another local church, or enjoying the presence of those who have been sent out, we will quickly see that everything that we do, everything that we've been commissioned to do as believers, to be faithful, to be supportive, to be effective, has to do with what? It's surrounded around this idea of we have a high view of our role as a local church, the assembly of believers. The gathered brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Faith That includes what? The preaching of God's word and the teaching as we break up into to, to groups to learn. But most of you, I got, I got lunch, like I got lunch. No, that's not sitting under the teaching of God's word and chewing through together difficult subjects and texts and living life together. Everything that we do—the training of our young people, the sending, the supporting, the planting, the equipping, the strengthening of believers—for the purpose of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ going forward, so that we are effective. Now, what, why? Like, why? Like, why is this so important? Because we have a message unlike anyone else and anything else. You can check. Check. I've studied. The faith and the belief system of every single religion that exists in this world, and ones that we don't even know about. And every single one will tell you this is what you need to do, and hopefully, you have a shot of making it to heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ, born as a baby, planned from the very foundations of the earth. shatters all of that when what our work is not going to get us to heaven it's not like any other faith that exists in the world of what you need to do uh, but it's simply pausing and remembering what the lord jesus christ has already done for us it's putting our faith in his work and not resting on our own but once we do that are we motivated to be faithful We know how important it is because what? Think think of this setting that Jesus is meeting with the disciples. What's happening? Very quickly, what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And then they are going to be sent out to the ends of the earth. Just as we are. And this is the message that they held on to before that they were sent out. This is the message that we look back and remember regularly as a church. What the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And remembering that it was the joy that was set before him he endured. So what is it? It's a simple reminder. A tangible reminder that we can hold in our hands. I think of the very element of bread that Jesus, when he was sitting with the disciples in the upper room, took some unleavened bread. He said, this is a picture of my body. And he's, he's foretelling what's going to happen to his body. It's going to be broken. That's exactly what happened. And he took the bread and he broke it. And as they held it in their hands, and they could smell the bread. He says, I want you to eat this. And they could taste it. And every single sense that God has given to us just sears in our mind. This bread is just bread, but it is a picture, an amazing, wonderful reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He what? He allowed His body to be broken because He saw you. Not only did Jesus give to us the bread, but it says that He took the fruit of the vine and He poured it out, and He said, "This is a picture of My blood. My blood's going to be poured out for you." Without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins blood is a lifeline jesus blood was poured out and he died and it's through what the perfect sinless the lamb without blemish that was sacrificed i'm just struck with an entire life jesus lived 33 years here on this earth facing every single temptation that we all face every single day And he was without sin. What an example. Not going there. I'm just not going there. That Jesus leaves to us an example. Knowing that we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve separation. We deserve eternal damnation. And Jesus Christ says, I'll pay the price. So they can be part of my own body. And they passed the cup around and they drank it. And he says, every single time that you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're remembering what I have done. And you will look forward and remember and remember and remember. This is what we do as a church. Why? Because what we see and touch here isn't all. There's a lot more. That Jesus Christ promises to come. And my prayer as a shepherd is that when Jesus Christ comes, he finds us faithful. He finds us enjoyable and helpful. He didn't find us sitting with our feet up And this is a wonderful, wonderful reminder of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And So this is what we do as a church. And so I invite you, if you have acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, not that you've been perfect, none of us are, then then we're going to serve this to you. We're going to remember what Jesus Christ has done. If you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Tim, I don't really fully understand or know what you're talking about. And I want you to just simply be reminded of the fact that because of our own sinfulness, we deserve separation. But God looked down upon us in love. As we learned this morning, even in joy. He desires for us to be in relationship and so in the quietness of our own hearts, today can be a day that we turn from our sinfulness and our brokenness and simply accept the fact that jesus has died and paid the price he took the pain and by placing our faith in the lord jesus christ we don't want anything to do with the rest of the past the rest of the world but we want to be faithful and obedient today can be the day of salvation it says in his word so i invite you I'm going to ask the elders to come and I think of these men. I think of the Ephesian elders that Paul says, Remember what your job is. Watch your own hearts and souls. Be faithful to Shepherd. Do the work of an evangelist. I want to tell you that the men that are serving you this are striving to do that. Pray for them, support them encourage them as they seek to be an encouragement and a support serving you then why don't you come up and what we're going to do is there's different stations here and so so the way that we do it here at big woods is just take a a moment or two kind of quiet our hearts thanking the lord for what he's done for us Sometimes we can race through and check boxes. Oh, today's Communion Sunday. That means we're going to get out a little bit later than normal. No, no, no. We're not checking boxes here. So what I would do is encourage you. Take some time on your own in silence and quietness and just thank the Lord for what he has done. And after that, you can go to any one of the five stations, six stations that are here. And they will give you the, the bread and the cup and take it back to your seats. When everyone's been served, I'll ask God's blessing and we will enjoy it together as family. with me father oh how we love you and we love the fact that in your grace you have actually called us and chosen us to have a tiny little part in fulfilling your kingdom for your glory but oh how we admit that we fall desperately short And so we thank you for what this bread is a picture of, what this cup is a symbol of. We thank you, Lord, that it's through your broken body and through the sacrifice and pouring out of your own blood that paid for our sins so that you, Lord, and only you can declare us righteous in your sight, totally justified. And we're amazed. We are humbled. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we eat this bread and and we drink this cup, that we would not forget that, that it would be, it would burn within us a reminder of what you've done for us, which is also a reminder of how we're to live for you. Bless this, strengthen us, help us to be a church that is faithful and effective. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen says that the Lord Jesus, on the very night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said this. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As so often as you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And oh, how we look forward to when he comes. Matt, come and close us with a word.